Warhound, welcome to episode 16 of Things That Go Bump in the Knot. 2020, finally nearly over. But um yes. yeah, it's it's been a it's been a hell of a year and hopefully 2021 is looking like it's gonna be a, a much better year, right? Vaccines on the way. Yeah, fingers crossed. The, um the tier system in England will be gone by February, hopefully. So um yeah, I mean things are looking up. Let's hope so. But um, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if it takes a couple of more months for things to really start picking back up. But yeah. Hey, you been on a personal note this week? You alright? It's been alright, really. Just uh, been chipping away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking forward to Christmas. Yeah. 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 Christmas is uh, come around the corner. Going to be a weird one for a lot of people this year. It will, right? it will, be, it will be strange, won't it? Yeah. But it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. It will be. Um, it's always uh, a good time of year to... Um, yeah, bring people together, and I think that's what people need right now, right? Yeah, and hopefully there'll be a bomb film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that well, there's gonna there's gonna be some films actually, and that, that's a really good segue onto our Thank first. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Our first uh, talking point this week. So I sent you a link from Dread Central. Yeah. About Netflix offered. Warner Bros, I think it is it Warner Bros. Yeah. Netflix offered Warner Bros two hundred million dollars to take Godzilla versus Kong off their hands. That's not bad, is it? No, that's not no, bad considering a little, that, little bit of change. That's probably it, because that's probably close to what the film made. And they haven't really done any advertising for it yet. So I can mm. imagine that's maybe making a tiny bit on top of what it cost them to make it, but then Netflix would advertise it and from there I think from the article I sent you Warner Bros haven't accepted it they're holding out mm. for possibly a HBO Max really mm. now the reason I, I wait to bring this up is we've been bringing us up a little bit and I said we'll keep an eye on it because it's kind of a weird time at the minute because there's a changing of the industry it's very strange yeah we've obviously cinemas not being open at all here at the minute, I, they, you know, they're going to open back up in the next couple of days, but not Cineworld, you know, like we spoke before, Cineworld is still shut down to next year. In the US, places like Los Angeles still have no cinemas open. There are some places in California, but I believe in Los Angeles, which is the biggest mm. market, still mm. closed. So studios are looking at other options. Obviously, the big option we've seen, push everything to 2021. But again, like we kind of touched on, you can't really keep doing that, right? Because you're going to run out of slots eventually, you know, if everyone pushes to 2021. So then one of the things we have seen, and, and you sound about Christmas, is it has, it has been announced that on Christmas Day, Wonder Woman 1984 will be going straight into cinemas and straight onto HBO Max. So... That is by far the biggest film that's ever debuted on a streaming service, right? Like Interesting, one, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a two hundred million dollar film. It's massive. Yeah. They they were hoping that would have made a billion dollars worldwide, right? So yeah, that's that's very very interesting. I've done that, and now with someone like Netflix offering two hundred million dollars for Godzilla versus Kong, that's big, man. I mean, what what do you think of it? Where, well, what do you why changing? What what why why are they trying to hold out for a HBO Max? 
what what is it that aside from money because well i think uh, they own hbo max right yeah but is it is it to do with theatrical release as well well so so i'm I'm glad you brought that up because this is something that's quite interesting so with the so warner bros as well are the studio behind wonder woman right and yep when they announced that it was going in cinemas and on hbo max on december 25th the guy that runs amc theaters put a statement out about it basically backing it and saying that he was on board with it and even though it was probably a one-off like you know they was really Mm -hmm. on board with it what's interesting about that is back at the start of this whole thing when universal done it with trolls world tour he was the first guy to really kick off about it the difference here is amc signs that deal where they get a cut of the vod yep so they'll they'll get a cut of the vod and then any other cinema as well that takes it so um i believe another one in in the us is taking it as well and the i can't remember what they're called but the largest cinema chain in canada have done it as well so they all get a cut they'll play the film from christmas day but they'll also get a cut of the vod and then i believe it will be on vod for a month comes off of vod for a month and then the cinemas get it exclusively for another month interesting that doesn't include regal cinema which is owned by cineworld and cineworld have been very very critical of this right because they like amc originally said believe that it's destroying the cinema model because realistically how many people are going to go to cinema it's a struggle to get people in the cinema anyway right yeah, it's I'll, not gonna it's that. not gonna work for the big money is it no so cinemas are saying you know without these films without the exclusive rights to these films we, you know how can how can we survive i mean they're already in trouble right so one of the things i was reading the other day which i think is quite interesting i want to get your thoughts on is there could be this idea and actually we touched on it a little while a little while ago when i was saying about the old uh, studio system and the way it used to work with cinemas back then there is this idea of what if next year because of these relationship breakdowns you have certain films in amc theaters and you have certain films in regal cinemas but there isn't a lot of crossover now i don't know if it really will come to that but there is talk of it i mean what would you think if we saw something like that where over here it would be kind of a odian versus cine world idea yeah i mean i i'm i I don't think that that would be necessarily a bad thing i think it, it could arguably be the only way out of this mess is if um you start to have these these kind of territories and little you know yeah certain cinemas producing certain things um and it wouldn't surprise me if netflix gets in on that as well because i, I could be wrong but i seem to remember uh the irishman having a very limited yes. Yes. theater run before yeah. netflix yeah well netflix have brought up i think they brought up one cinema in new york and one cinema in la so they are it looks like netflix will be getting into that game yeah testing uh, yeah, the water just, at the moment yeah I just little independent cinemas but still man like big news not you know i mean godzilla versus Kong kind of comes under the monster banner so it you know yeah. we can kind of work it in with a horror but just as a kickoff just yeah this is really industry shaking news I re- yes. you know i really yeah, yeah, do yeah. believe that i really do believe that we could be seeing a very very different cinema landscape beyond this and also you know the one thing we haven't really touched on is the idea of netflix offering 200 million dollars just to take one film that doesn't that just show you the power of netflix now 
mm. that they've got that money to offer, but they can just offer a studio two hundred million dollars. That's insane. That's <laughs> crazy money. It's, it's silly money, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Silly money. money. Absolutely crazy money. And and a Netflix really going to make that money back on that film? Like, how many new subscribers are they going to get? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I suppose they, I suppose what they consider is it's. Uh... <sighs> It all goes into like you know. I suppose I guess they don't because of the way they work as a streaming service. I suppose they don't count it on a film per film basis, do they? No, they don't. It's all no, part of the overall overall pot. Yeah. But you're right. That's a that's a hell of a lot of money. But they must be pulling in some money just for you know all the original stuff they make as well. And it's a gamble, it's, I think. At some point, it's a gamble. That's, you know. that's, a, that's big bucks, isn't it? Because well, you could almost see, you could see Netflix kind of settling into a niche yeah. where it's not got the big blockbusters but it is making its own decent content well, and I picking up other things that was where yeah. they were going they were going to the idea of like we would only have our stuff so the only place you can get and that could work because you know yeah, that's, definitely. Their, definitely. that's their market well, I mean, Disney have gone down that road, right? That's why Disney pulled out all of their stuff from Netflix. So they can just have it all on Disney+. Plus. This is the only place you can get Star Wars, Marvel. I believe they've still got a contract with Amazon, I think, for Indiana Jones. But once that runs out, Indiana Jones is going to be on there. So, you know, yeah. you, you've got all these films that you can only get on Disney+. Plus. Netflix again that way. I Again, I was reading with the whole Wonder Woman thing. The idea for warner media the or at&t i believe own the whole thing now they don't think they're going to make money on wonder woman by putting on hbo max but they're trying to drive subscribers mm. so if you if you can drive subscribers with putting wonder woman there like i said which is the biggest film ever to debut on a stream service by far by far you know it's a 200 million dollar film it's a, it's a blockbuster film we've never seen a blockbuster film debut on a streaming service before and yeah the idea is to build a you know to build a platform to rival netflix and to build a platform that is going to have all these subscribers so it's a weird it's kind of the wild west at the minute isn't it we're mm. working out how to build these platforms in the best way forward and i, I, I do wonder you know, why why they're chucking this money specifically at godzilla versus kong as well I mean, yeah, don't, don't I, get me wrong. I mean, you know, maybe it's maybe a good film, maybe a great film, maybe terrible. But it's, you know, it's not for everyone, is it? It's not. No, it's not no, like they've pitched no. for James Bond or you know. Or, I agree. I you agree. know, obviously they probably have to put a lot more for James Bond. But it just seems like a, a very. It's going to have its market, isn't it? Yeah. And it's yeah. you know it's, it's probably. I don't know, well, men eight, 18 to thirty five. Well, there were them rumours that they they were after James Bond. And See, that the, I could understand. I could understand. And apparently, the people that own James Bond had a say in the sales of it, and they they wouldn't have it. They they wanted to go into cinema. Well, the so whole thing, or just the new film? Uh the new film, the, oh. the brand new film. So they were going to buy the new film off of MGM and put it straight on. Yeah, I mean they they were rumours. They're not as I didn't like. I saw one or two people report on that, but like this Godzilla versus Kong thing is pretty. Um, pretty solid actually it looks like this this was definitely happening but yeah man i mean i, I tell you a way to round us out have you seen the you seen the other godzilla and kong films the the new one yeah i have but i'm getting confused as to 
which universe this one exists in because i kind of feel like there's been there's been quite a few maybe not kong necessarily but there's been a few recent uh godzilla films um, yes I'm, so this I'm a bit is confused the... where this sits in the in in the landscape well this is to do with the legendary one so the gareth edwards i think it was 2014 godzilla which i really yeah. liked had brian cranston in it so um, this is a follow-up to that one well then then there well kind of but then after you had a sequel to that last year year before um oh the one with the the big trio of monsters yeah with uh millie bobby brown from stranger things which yep. i didn't like that much and I she's didn't... back in this one isn't she yes i believe so yeah and uh, yeah i wasn't as sold on that one if i was and then it also brings in kong skull island so yeah. it's that King Kong that it's bringing in, which again, actually, I didn't mind. I, out of the out of the three films, it was definitely Godzilla King of Monsters that unfortunately fell a bit short for me. Which I, I'm a huge Godzilla fan. I'm really disappointed actually. That that's, the, that's the only one I haven't seen. I've seen Skull Island. I've seen the Brian Cranston yeah. For, for, yeah. for all the length of time he was in it. Yeah, uh, Godzilla. Um, I haven't seen the the King of Monsters one. I know which one it is, but yeah, yeah it's. Seen... I, I was dis- I was a little bit disappointed in it, but um. Yeah, it was great seeing all the different all the different creatures, man. That that was really cool. But this one's directed by Adam Wingard, who is yeah, he's got some real horror pedigree. So this is definitely why a lot of horror people are, are reporting on this. Mm. Mm. But yeah, man, we we have to see. And you know, like we said before, I think this is something we're going to keep bringing up because yeah, I really do think we're going to see a little bit of a different industry in the start of twenty twenty one. And you know what? Who knows? By the end of twenty twenty one could be completely different it will find its level won't it in in some form yes it yes. will exist you know the uh, uh the theater industry specifically um it just i doubt very much it will be like it was last year yes definitely definitely so let's move on to from blockbuster films to independent films and some really really great news that dropped not um not too much to say on this one but i, I just wanted to bring it up because you know, I, I spoke about my love for a film called A Ghost Waits, which yep. I saw at Fright Fest. I've been lucky enough that Black Mass has actually played with it a couple of times on the festival circuit. And it dropped uh, last week that Arrow Films have picked it up for distribution. Really excited to see what they do with that. I hope they put out a really nice Blu-ray release for it. And It's uh, a great like... company to be behind it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, well. definitely. Yeah, they Arrow are picking up some Arrow picked up quite a few films out of Fright Fest actually. I think Arrow are making like a real play. I, I if, do you know. I do find it a strange choice for Arrow though. I don't in my mind I always I always think of Arrow as having these slightly more obscure Yes. Uh, and like cult know, films, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the older the older cult films. Yeah, I, like I, agree. I agree. Stuff and you know yes. things things yeah. things like that. I think Arrow are trying to move away from that not move away from it i think that will always be their bread and butter but i think they are trying to jump on some more original content that like they can own and really put out themselves yeah. and have like, a real future with where yeah, this is this is this is great for them as a company and and the film yeah. as well yeah definitely definitely and yeah arrow are making a little bit of a play which again is something we touched on a little while ago about a lot of people are going to be making plays for content now because especially in the net i you know if you can get a film made and you know this is why i'm really pushing for us to make a, a film next year my my debut feature next year because i really believe you can get a feature made 
and a decent feature as well made in the next couple of years, there isn't going to be that many people making them. So, yeah, I think you're going to be in a really, really good place to do to do that special, man. Because I think everyone's looking for content. Mm. And imagine if imagine if Troma, the um, what's the company with uh, the witch and the lighthouse? Uh, oh, A twenty four. A twenty four. Yeah. And uh, Arrow. Imagine if they got together for a streaming service and called it like Cult TV or something. I'd be... I'd be all over that. I'd just take yeah. my money now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That would be really, yeah, that would be really good. I would love to see something compiled like that. I know that Arrow do have a on Amazon. There is like an Arrow channel that you can pay for, but obviously yeah, it's just yeah. a lot of the older cult films. But yeah, I would love to see that, like a, a bigger library, bring it together. Or I would love to see you know, maybe one of these big horror outlets. I know Fangoria are making some plays with um with producing films. I watched a film last night actually that was produced by Fangoria. Uh, you know, maybe a Fangoria streaming channel. That would be cool, right? But I mean, See, we kind of got that with Shudder, to be fair. I think I do think you know you you have to you have to consider that not good, but there are some silver linings to what's happening in the world at the moment. Yeah. Um, and that being, you know, this kind of nebulous developing, you know, back onto the other one. If you've got like these companies, um, you know, media companies, you know, print and digital news companies now just starting to go into like production themselves. Yeah. You know, I think these are all really exciting things. Well, one of the so one of the other films that's been picked up by Arrow Films is a documentary called Clapball Jungle. I didn't see that. Did you see it? I have seen it. Yes, yes. Um, it's good. It's good. I really. It like sounds it. really interesting. It's it is interesting. It's it's a great look at the film industry, and especially if if you if you've been on any side of the film industry, it, it's a great look at how the film industry works. If you are a struggling filmmaker like myself, that's you know trying to get a couple of features made and stuff, and you know really struggle with the demands of some people and you know the money people and, and everything like that the and and the unreliable you know the unreliability of of people unfortunately it's a great great look at stuff like that and a great look at basically most people are full of shit and everyone's going to let you down and you can't really trust anyone but there mm-hmm. is a there's some great interviews in it and i can't remember who it is but one of them says about the problem, the problem nowadays, is you're living with a double a double edged sword. You, it's easier to make a film than ever before, but the problem with it being easier to make a film than ever before is there's so much stuff out there. There's yeah, so yeah. much stuff out there. So like, just clawing your way through all this stuff is, yeah, is crazy. And you, you know, it's not, it's no longer good enough just to be a filmmaker. You have to be a business person. You have to be you know a, a social media person you have to be a sales agent yourself you have to yeah it's it's really good man but it's um yeah it, it's a it's another great film that arrow picked up and i definitely definitely would recommend checking it out and then i believe out of fright fest they also picked up a film called the stylist which played fright fest and done really well i've seen that as well that's, that's a good film so yeah they they've picked up some decent stuff man so you know all coming early next year like i said i just wanted to touch on it a little bit because I, you know, uh, A Ghost Waits is one of my favourite films of the year, so it's definitely one I'll be picking up as soon as it comes out. Right, on to 
a trailer I sent you for a film that was meant to be dropping in cinemas this week, or the back end of last week, I should say. It actually dropped on VOD. I think it's incredible. But the film? I sent you... The, the, yeah. The... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise the film's out already. I didn't yeah, realise. Yeah, it, it came out on Friday. Oh man! Yeah, oh, I so I yeah I rented it straight away. And, where, where did you get it? Amazon. Yes, yeah, I got it straight off Amazon. Yeah. It was like a fiber, something like that to rent. I was like, yeah, can't go wrong. Cheaper than one ticket at the cinema, isn't it? Oh, I might so have the film. Tonight, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, do it, do definitely do it. The film is called Possessor. It is by Brandon Cronenberg. What do you think of the trailer, man? So coming into it, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about this film. I watched the trailer. Um, and I've got to be honest, I thought, yeah, so it looks all right. I probably wouldn't seek it out, particularly. Okay. I wasn't overly excited for it. Yeah. However, I then thought, okay, let's go and find out some more information about it. Then I find out, okay, it's Brandon Cronenberg. Yeah. Who, to be fair, I, I don't think I've seen a lot of his stuff. I mean, this is only his like, second feature, I it's think. It's only his second feature. Yeah. He yeah. made a feature before this called Antiviral, which is, if you've got Amazon Prime, it's on Amazon Prime. It's, it's very good, actually. I really like Antiviral. I've seen it a couple of times. So obviously, you know, knowing he's, you know, I'm sure he's a great artist in his own right, but nevertheless, he's in the shadow of his dad, David Cronenberg being yep. one of the all-time greats. Yes. When you watch the trailer with that in your mind again, you, you can start to see those little sprinklings of influence there. Of course you um, have, yeah. But then I, I went and, and I read, you know, the, the plot of the film and I thought, and watching the trailer in that context... I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm well up for this. It, it sounds really good. I don't think the trailer did it justice. Um, I, I just felt like I didn't really know what was going on, basically, watching yeah. the trailer. Yeah. Um, but once I had it explained to me, I see. I get what's going on now. That's a fantastic idea. It sounds brilliant. Yeah, I want to see it now. What I, Now I would go and find it. I highly, highly recommend you do. It's available everywhere. You can rent this from everywhere. But, yeah, I rented it from Amazon. Like I said, I believe it's five, six pound. Well, well, well worth it. I'll definitely be picking this up when uh, it comes out on Blu-ray. I've already checked, actually. I think it comes out on Blu-ray in February. So, yeah, I'll definitely be checking it up. I'll definitely be watching it again. It is one of those films that dem it almost demands a rewatch as soon as you've seen it because there's so much in there and it grabs you and there's so many ideas that I don't think you are going to get everything on the first viewing. But then not in a bad way yeah. in a way where it it demands you go back and relive that film so you then can understand the stuff that maybe was a little bit hazy to you first of all it's a it's a great film man it's it's very heavy on the do you know what i'm not even gonna say it. it's, it's very heavy in areas i think um, if they, if i if i commit to watch it this week then we should make a point to discuss it in the next episode I, I tell you what I'd love to do. I would love for us to do our first full review episode of just one film, and I'd love to make it this. Okay, cool, yeah. Yeah, because you I think this would... I, honestly, I think there's a lot of discussion to be had around this film. You know what? I, I will actually rent it again, and I'll do the same. I'll rent it again. We'll both watch it this week, and then we'll do a full review episode. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Yeah, definitely, man. It's it's one to watch, definitely. So, yeah, guys, if you... I know I put it out on Twitter the other day, and I know a couple of you already watched it, but if you haven't, the trailer is down below. Check it out. And then, um, you know, I'll also throw in the Amazon link just so it's easy for uh, 
for you to go and rent it if, if you're looking to rent it. But yeah, I would definitely recommend that. I would have loved to have seen this in the cinema. I do. Swiftly moving on to a little bit of news that kind of blindsided me. It just, I literally saw this pop up the other day. Had no idea about this. I thought this would be one for you because it is the news that Alex Garland is working on a secret low-budget horror film. Now, if you don't know, Alex Garland is an incredible writer and director. He is responsible for what I think is one of the greatest debuts in, in film history and then, like, you know, follow up the one-two punch of Ex Machina. Was his debut 28 Days Later? Uh, as a screenwriter, but as a, yeah, as a yeah. writer-director, um, he released Ex Machina and then Annihilation which yeah. I, I love. I absolutely love it. But yes, you you touched on it there. This is why I knew you would really like it. 28 he's, he, a, he's a force. Oh, he's a force, man. He's the writer of 28 Dates Later and also Sunshine from Danny Boyle. So, yeah, this guy is... Yeah, he's incredible. I, is he British? Yes, he is, yeah. Yeah, he's a... um, I believe he was... I believe he... Was he a novel writer i believe he's i don't believe 28 days later was his debut as a writer actually i believe he wrote i think he might have wrote a book and that got developed into a film and then i believe he he developed the screenplay and then that's what just oh, turned him on to yeah screenwriting man but but what do you think of this i mean you're you're obviously a fan just very quickly looked it up his novel was the beach there you go there you I go i wonder if I, i'm assuming that's the one that got made into the beach the beach, yeah. The um, that's Danny Boyle as well, isn't it? I believe he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So see, that, that would have been. See, his... see, even there, that you know, even if he, I don't know, maybe he did, maybe he didn't have much to do with uh, the film. Oh no, he yeah, wrote on, the screenplay. So on the you know, just just as a quick segue to to give people a bit of an understanding of him, um, I didn't know this film was his, but I can see it now in the context of his other films. On the face of it, you think. Uh, uh, the beach starring a very young attractive leonardo dicaprio yeah. probably before he was well known for his significant acting jobs and you might think oh yeah i know what this is going to be like and it's so strange very clever you know it's not yeah, at it's... all what you might might think on the face of it or even from like the first half of the film no i i completely agree i mean the guy is yeah i think the guy is such a talent he also wrote um dread based on the uh, Judge Dredd comics. Did you see that a couple uh, of years back? Um, which one's that one? The one yeah, not, with not... Carl, Urban, uh, Carl Urban in the no, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one. I, I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't the one. No, <laughs> not the one Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. No. <laughs> it's, <laughs> mate, it is, it's really good. I really, really like that film. I, I think that film is outstanding. There's actually, there's, there's an interesting little bit of trivia about that, actually. They there's rumors that you could almost consider dread his first film as a director now he's not credited as a director that's a completely different person but there are rumors that on the set because it was his screenplay and he had uh all-out vision i think he might have even worked in the comics for a little bit he yeah he basically saw that film through start to finish i believe some of the cast have said about that and it's so stylized that you can almost see that, yeah, may, maybe that was him. 
Maybe, mm. maybe that was him taking the reins a little bit. Um, and then this year he had a TV series called Decks as well, which is meant to be really good. I haven't seen it, but um, it's meant to be really good. Yeah. So this guy's a force. The idea of him making a low budget horror film, I believe, set in the UK. Oh, I can't wait. Because I, I, I mean, again, not not to go on about it, but as a as a creator, even if you don't necessarily like his work. I would argue you've got to appreciate uh, the innovation there. So uh, Ex Machina, I really loved. Um, Annihilation, I don't say I dislike it, um, but I feel like I need to go, I need to see it again. Because I, oh, I feel like it was, but I, I certainly appreciate, even if I decide, you know, what it wasn't for me, yeah. I yeah. certainly appreciate how novel and interesting it was. Yeah, yeah. And, I uh, with Annihilation, man, like it is one of those films you do have to watch. A few times. I've seen it three or four times. That, I, I do Natalie really Portman, like it. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do really like it. Yeah. Great cast. Jennifer well, Dresden, that one on I Netflix believe. as well. That is, that is the Netflix. Yeah. 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 That was originally Universal, maybe. And then they had no idea what to do with it. So they sold it to Netflix. Yeah. And it become it become quite a hit on Netflix, actually. It was a, it was a big film for them. But yeah, I mean, I really like it. Like I said, I watched it quite a few times. What do you make of um, the kind of quote he's told Empire magazine uh, about the about the film? Um, yes, it's quite he, interesting. So, is, so I, I, have you I, got it in front I, of me? I'm not sure. Yeah, I've got it in front of me, and I'm not really sure what he's going on about. Right, go on, go on. Read, <laughs> read the quote for our listeners. That was. I wrote a low-budget horror movie set in the UK. I don't know if it's unrealistic or not. Always at this particular moment, the film always feels unrealistic, but then somehow it works out. At some point, with civil disobedience, you have to start smashing stuff up. So I was writing about the need to smash stuff up. I thought, so now what I'm writing is pointless. In a good world, way, I almost felt glad. So that's... It's I, a weird quote. It's <laughs> strange, isn't it? <laughs> it, is a, it is a weird quote. So from what I understand... This has, I think the Dread Central article touched on it, actually. This was born all out of when he was developing another TV series. Mm. And the TV series was based around the idea of, like, protests and stuff, but them not really meaning anything anymore in, like, this mm. day and age, the way they did. But then the Black Lives Matter movement happened. And it completely changed his opinion. He saw that yeah. actually protests still could make a difference. And they wasn't just for show. They, you know, they, they really meant something to people and they really, um, and then, you know, in other countries, you, you've had a, a, Egypt had lots of protests, didn't they, about they did, yeah. their establishment and stuff. So I believe that mm. it's based around Hong Kong and, you know, it's, it's, yes, yes. Yeah, even down to, you know, our lockdown protests at the moment yeah 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 so i yeah i'm interested to see where he goes with them i'm very i very interested in the idea that it's a low budget film he wants to get it shooting very quickly like he like from the based on what i've read he hasn't finished the screenplay yet yet he wants to start shooting in spring of next year mm. so you know no, you're, talking right, like, yeah. you're talking a couple of months to get a film up and running which you know on on a side note right from a filmmaker point of view again a, a filmmaker that is 
you know gonna go into production on my debut feature next year but you know i do have a few other projects and you know they're walking against rain it has taken me years and years and years to find money money for that film it is not uh, an easy task whatsoever it does amaze me when you know someone that has made it and rightfully so um it obviously does have people ready to go behind him but when he says you know oh yeah i'm writing this idea and uh we're going to be going in a couple of months you know it's um yeah i do love it it reminds me of when tarantino said about i think one year at, um the Cannes film festival he said about he was gonna having glorious bastards ready for the following year and he hadn't even finished the screenplay yet but then the next year it debuted at con so it's just amazing how quickly stuff can get turned around mm-hmm. with you've got a bit of a name behind you you know and i've got i gotta be honest you know alex garland even though i know his work wasn't uh, a known name to me so when oh, you said no. when you sent me this through alex garland working on secret new low budget film you were I like thought, Still, I alex thought, garland. and <laughs> what uh, all right we scraping the barrel this week scott <laughs> well that's what i thought and then i read down and i thought yes I, I had no idea who he was it yeah, wasn't a name I, I was familiar with i'm very familiar with his work and i love it and uh you know now i know who he is i'm i can i can group those things together and, and, and go and find more but yeah i'm very excited about this well, i mean I, I would enough, always check I, out his stuff now i wasn't really aware of who he was until he started directing and then it wasn't until he started direct so ex machina and then with annihilation i was like oh okay what has this guy done anything else and then like you were just blown away by oh he wrote the beach he wrote 28 days he wrote sunshine he wrote dread like okay this guy's like got some pedigree this guy's been yeah, around yeah. for a while you know? like the beach was what 2000 2001 maybe mm, something like that a long time ago so long you know ago. you're talking about a guy that's got like 20 years pedigree you know i think it history. might even have been in the late 90s i could be wrong right. but it's it was a long time ago yeah it was like it was very early 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 dicaprio early, career yeah on i mean you know he he made curtains dicaprio yeah. that's what it was <laughs> i mean a few years previous he made the biggest film of all time so um or you know but, did make the biggest film of all time uh, alex alex garland is you know someone then who is carving this incredibly respectable career oh, yeah. without really people yeah. knowing his name that's, it's weird, that's isn't it? it's funny how that happens yeah. it's funny how that happens it really is i mean and i assume that's the way he likes it yes yeah i mean that that pedigree man like you just look at those credits how many mm. people can stack up to that no, how many people can say they you know they've made one of the you know they wrote one of the best horror films of all time they've wrote some of the best sci-fi of all time like it's it's crazy man but 28 like days later was so innovative 28 days later, i i would argue sunshine as well i i will yeah, always yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think sunshine is an incredible incredible film and i think ex machina doesn't get the credit it deserves i for... love that oh it's such a great film and i you know what it done for special effects i, uh, I kind of feel it got buried a bit at the time it, it came out i think it yeah. came out with some some big yeah. big films yeah yeah i think so he's like you said his films are not for everyone i don't think everyone's going to watch x machina or annihilation and really get it really mm. like really connect with it is what i mean but yeah. if you do connect with it as i did i think you really connect with it i i think that's what he does i think he makes films that you're either like it's not for me 
or you're like no this is really for me this is like really really up my street you know so yeah i think he's like a real black and white director you're you're either you know on one side of the fence or the other but yeah i mean for me i absolutely love him i can't wait to see what he does for this we'll definitely keep an eye on it and uh yeah hopefully report on a little bit more and just as a as a as a little segue um and i think we've got a little bit of time um you mentioned quentin tarantino who reportedly his next film's going to be his last Apparently so. I mean, he's been saying this for years, hasn't he? He's been saying this will be number ten, won't it? Yeah, he's been saying that he's going to get out of ten because he wants a somewhat perfect filmography. He doesn't want to. He's always, whenever you've seen him in interviews talking about it, he always gives the examples like Hitchcock and people where he says Mm. they have great careers and then they get to the end and they're running out of ideas and they. I mean, do you think he's had a miss with anything? I don't think so. I love everything he's done. I, I love the one that most people would say is a miss. Death Proof is actually one of my favorites. Yeah, I, 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 love I, I was going to say Death Proof because not not that I dislike it. Um, but again, it's one that I need to watch again. Yeah. No, did, I when I, I first watched it, it didn't blow me away. But oh, I okay. think that's because I kind of felt like it didn't feel like a Tarantino film in the way that the the others did the others do, yeah. to me. But that's yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think I just went into it with a with a, an expectation that I shouldn't have. Yeah, he he was definitely trying to do something different with it, and like for me, it really connected right because it was it was part of the whole Grindhouse thing with Robert Rodriguez, and. The reason it really connected with me is a lot of those films that they were basing it on, I had seen a lot of those films. Like, I I was very lucky that where I grew up, we had two video stores, right? We had, we had Blockbuster, which I ended up working in years later because that stayed open. And then we had a little crappy video store called Flickr Videos, which um, was great. And it was amazing. It had all those all those types of films in it. So... You know, you could rent a bunch of films for nothing, essentially. And I ended up watching, yeah, that's when I got into horror. That's when I got into, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s horror films, classic horror, stuff like, you know, a lot of people, obviously off the back of the classic horror podcast I do, and they ask how I've seen so many of those things. And that's why, because I, you know, we had that little video. So I was very lucky that I had access to all that stuff. And so then when Tarantino and Rodriguez done Grindhouse, it really spoke to me because I already knew what Grindhouse was. I was already obsessed yeah. with, with that era. So, you know, I love that 70s era of cinema. I love the idea of the midnight screenings and the, the little tiny cinemas in New York and, and LA and stuff. So it really worked for me on that level. I also do understand why it doesn't connect with other people. It's, it's also like a lot more low budget than his other stuff. You know, he's got a real shine to his work. Death Proof definitely doesn't have that. See, yeah, I, I, yeah. I actually think he's, for me, he's, I'm not going to say his worst film because I enjoyed it, but the one I'm least enamoured with is The Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. Interesting. I just, I just, you know, sandwiched between, let me get this right, uh, Django and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think. Yeah. And both of those, I, I, for me, are, are far superior than, than The Hateful Eight. I just it I, didn't yeah, really it didn't really gel with me. I just I you know I, f- I found it. I mean I know this is a ridiculous thing to say uh, for a Tarantino film, but I found it really ridiculously violent and over the top. 
um, which, which again, that is a, yeah. a funny thing yeah. to say in relation to his work. But uh, yeah, just it didn't really do it for me. It didn't do it. I've seen, you know, and all all of the actors have been in uh, other films of his. I think more successfully. Yeah, but what he's what I would fine. like to see is, you know, he he has this thing of, you know, this is my western film, this is my yeah. kung fu movie. I'd love to see him make a horror. And well, you know, you touched could, on it. But you could argue, I suppose, that you know he's been involved with uh, Dust Till Dawn. Well, uh, I would but, argue, I would argue, Death Proof's a horror film. I suppose, yeah. Death Proof is a Death Proof is a seventies horror film. Yeah, it's done by the way of you know uh, a nice setup, but. It's a slasher film. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's definitely a slasher film. I, 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 yeah, I would argue that with anyone. But, uh, yeah, uh, like in something a little bit more closer to the, you know, to the, to the things that go bump in the night, if you yeah. will. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I would like to see it. And uh, he's actually teased that. He's teased about doing an all out horror film. I don't think anyone has an, any idea about what his, his last film would be because, you know, it could be, know, any, it could be anything, couldn't it? Well, he wants to do a third Kill Bill film as well. He's touched you know, on. He did yeah, talk about a good. sequel to uh, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, didn't he? Yeah, With, the uh, Road, yeah. That, that would do. I mean, I think that, that ship's passed. And oh, that ship's definitely passed. You know, you can't, with the best no. villain in the world, you can't do the de aging no. CGI. No, just, it wouldn't cut it in, in his yeah. films. It wouldn't work. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. No, but, um, it would have been great. I'd, I'd like to see him do a novel then, or well, he's... or a, a TV series with different actors. So, did you see what dropped? The news that dropped last week that no. he is he's writing his first novel now, based on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, so, be, so he's always he's always said that. Just imagine pages and pages and pages of dialogue. Well, he <laughs> says that when he writes a screenplay, he doesn't write what you necessarily call a screenplay he writes basically a novel it's somewhere in between a novel and a screenplay and then he says every single day on set he is adapting his own novel to fit to the screen so he says there's so much stuff that he cuts out because his screenplays are massive they're huge because like i said he writes them as novels so Mm. yeah he signed a deal now to write two books so he's writing the novelization of once upon a time in hollywood and he's writing a book on 70s cinema which again is like he always said he do like he's in all, all them interviews where he says 10 films i say, well what do you do afterwards and he says i you know probably become an author so he said he's got lots of ideas about books he wants to make on 70s cinema and the cinema that influenced him and then also novelizations of his own films yeah so so we'll see i know he's um i we don't have it over here but i know in america on their netflix they've got a slightly different version of the hate hateful weight where it's a series it's been broke oh, down okay. to three or four parts which yeah which is quite weird because tarantino has always been very opposed to digital platforms but i think the reason why that works is that is what the hateful weight is the hateful weight is based on old western serials mm-hmm so the idea of getting to break it up into three or four parts, so you know, is probably the best way to watch it. So you saying that one didn't connect with you as much as the others, and and I would have to agree. I mean, I do like it, but yeah, probably yeah, I like it, but just it's probably time num- Hollywood or, or num- number ten in our rankings of his film. Yes, yeah. So I, I would like to see that though, and see what's, how that plays. What, what's your number one of his films? Do you know what it changed all the time, man? It used to be. 
it used to be Pulp Fiction, then it was Reservoir Dogs, then for then for a time it was Inglorious, then yeah, I I really like I the film I've watched more than every any other by a long shot is Death Proof. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, by by a long shot as well. I'm not even talking like I'm one have or to two. Give it another go. Talking a lot. Yeah, I really, I think Death Proof is the most easily accessible of all of these films. I think you can put Death Proof on, and it's just a, yeah, it's just a fun film. It's it's just you know it's it's a fun ride. You know, if you get what they're doing and what they're referencing and the seventies cinema it speaks to, yeah, man, it is. I've definitely watched that more than any other. I mean, mine has to be. The first one I ever saw of his, and the um, one I've seen by far the most, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, my, I think my, it my, my favorite of his. I, I love yeah. it. There's I very, think... very little in that film that I don't like. I think, I think the thing I I do find interesting about his work is, as I get older, I I respect different stuff about his work. Like the one I always used to say didn't connect with me as much was Jackie Brown. But I recently went back and watched Jackie Brown a couple of times, and I really, really like it, actually. I think Do you know, I felt exactly the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. I, I find it a lot more subtle, actually, than, yeah. than Pulp Fiction. Well, it's the and only think... film he's adapted from, because it was a novel first, right? Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, it was a novel first, so it's the only film he's adapted. So that's why I think it's got a bit of a different voice. No, it's good. I like. I, I do. You know, I agree with you completely. I went back and watched it, and uh, I've got uh, uh, much more affinity for that for that film now. Uh, you know, I've, I, I kind of place it. It's, it's similar in a way to Pulp Fiction. To, to me, they go uh, hand in hand and just go off in different paths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it, man. I really like it, and I I, I always love Kill Bill as well because Kill Bill was the first Tarantino films I actually got to see in the cinema. Do you know, you I know. think me too, actually. Yeah, the uh, the others, we were, you know, we were way too young for. Too young, yeah. yeah actually, do you know, I think the, the first thing of his I watched, you know, wasn't really his, sort of his, was probably uh, Dust Till Dawn. It's probably the first. Oh, okay. okay. Bits yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, I really like Dust Till I really like Robert Rodriguez as well. I yeah. think it's great. I love the different stuff he does. I love the stuff that he makes the kids' movies, which yeah. he literally makes for his kids. You know, he's the... banned as well. Yeah, he's man, he's, he's a great. I've got the uh, one of these DVDs I've got, and one of the additional features. Um, do you know it's not? What's the one with? Um, what's the one with Johnny Depp? And he gets his eyes cut out. Once upon a time, in Mexico. Yeah, and it might be the special features in that. Yes, because he goes around shooting chefs with this pork dish, doesn't he? Oh yeah, that's yeah. like that's one of his famous. Well, he was very famous for the ten-minute film score. Thing, and then he started doing the 10 minute cooking school. that's it yeah, the, yeah. and yeah. i always remember thinking where am i going to get banana leaves from yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't as accessible to us was it <laughs> yeah wasn't, uh, yeah we you can't go to our supermarkets and get stuff but um yeah i i think he's done i think robert rodriguez is important to independent cinema as any director has ever been because he musician as well yeah exactly man yeah he really opened the door he showed me, you know, for me, he was the first filmmaker that was putting real special features on their DVDs that was like, this is how you make a film. Like, if you've got no money, you know, or you can scrape together a little bit, this is how you make a film, you know. And it was, you know, you look at a lot of that stuff in 
dusty dawn where they don't have a dolly or anything you know they're just using a wheelchair and he's sitting in a wheelchair with a camera and then mm. someone's like rolling him about it's, it's great man it's great stuff it really is and you know um just not just a final final thought on this not my cup of tea, but my kids are overjoyed that Robert Rodriguez's next film is the sequel to uh, Sharp Boy and Lava Girl. Yeah, yeah. See, I love that he makes this one because he just makes it for his kids. Yeah. And he, he makes it. Yeah, I, they're not for me either. But um, oh, my, my kids, I mean, my, my youngest, he's watched that film so many times. Yeah, and I've, I've started right. to enjoy it as well now. Strange thing to put next to his upper work, isn't it? You think, yeah. how could this be the yeah. same guy? Well, if I'm not wrong, I believe he even credits his son with like a co-writing credit. On... I think I think yeah, they came those. up with the characters. Yeah, it's something that they used to play at, at home. And well, it's said, literally you know yeah. going to make a film about and it. I'm going to make a film about it. Yeah, yeah, because he has Troublemaker Studios. He's literally in like yeah. his backyard in Texas. So he he literally shoots everything out of his backyard. Yeah. So um, yeah, incredible man. Like I yeah I think. If you, you know, if we've got any independent filmmakers out there listening that haven't seen that stuff and really want to, you know, dig into the industry a little bit, start there. Yeah, really yeah start yeah. there. You know, there, there's an abundance of stuff now, right? But yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Definitely. All right, dude. So moving on to our final point of the week, as Creep, always, creepy clip. Creepy clip of the week. Here we are. What is this week, sir? So, before I explain what it is, what we have here is um, like a like a spoken word poem, I guess, uh, about the ocean uh, and and someone who's uh, trying to top themselves in the ocean. And it's 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 footage, uh, very grainy footage that goes along with it. What what did you think? I I really like it. I think it works really really well with a song. Do you know what it is? Yeah, um, what's his name? Tom. Yes. Tom what? Tom Waits. So this Tom is Waits. a Tom Waits track um, called "The Ocean Doesn't Want Me Today" from his probably his darkest album, which was Bone Machine. Um, I think sort of mid early nineties, and it's a song that the whole the whole album deals with death and suicide and the end of the world. There's the, one of the tracks is called "The Earth Died Screaming," so you know a lovely jolly little That's nice. tra- track, um, but this one very very disturbing you know and I, I do love the ocean we had that clip before of moom uh, summer make good for all of our sins you know the yes. ocean themes yes. and i just love how he he's one of my absolute favorite uh, musicians i don't want to gush on him too much but you know i love all those sound effects and things he's got going on in the background it really evokes this sea vibe yeah really does. now going along with that there's no there's no music video to this so i thought i'm going to check out i just want to see if i can find um if anyone's done a decent you know fan video with it like yeah. we had there was that um that young lady who did one for the uh rammstein track we had that a few weeks ago and that was really effective yeah it was there's, there's loads and loads you can find loads of different um videos for this track but this one hit me hard I thought they, he, this guy has nailed it. And it's like 10 years old, this track. The guy's got four subscribers and like three videos on there. And it's, I think it's incredible. I think it's so really powerful like it. and effective. Yeah, I really like it, man. I think it really works. It really, for those out there that listen to my classic horror podcast, it really reminded me of a film called Carnival of Souls, which is the very first film yeah, yeah. we covered. And... Yeah, it really reminds me of that. It's very dreamlike. 
very very surreal it's almost like you know it's taking place in this alternative reality yeah it really speaks to you you know the best word i can use to describe it is mesmerizing yeah literally mesmerizing it you know it watched um it's very short it's only like two minutes or so yeah the, the, the bit that hits me the most i think is when he's standing staring at the camera I find that really creepy. And if you, if you look yeah. carefully, he's yeah. actually standing on the edge of a building looking down. Right. Okay. I, I didn't notice that. I watched it twice. I watched yeah. it literally like back to back. And I, yeah. I there, there's, a, there's a brief clip where he's staring at the camera. Then the next clip is like a shot of downtown, wherever he is. Yeah. But you can see his feet hanging over the, the bottom of the screen. Right. And okay. I, I suppose that just, it looks like, you know, this guy's trying to kill himself. Yeah. Decides he can't, can't jump. So he, he goes for the ocean instead. There's some there's some really great editing with it as well. Mm, the mm. I really like there's a shot of I think it's um a sign that says beach closed. And when you yeah, first see it, it's yeah, just yeah. black. It's just black. Yeah, but then it's good, isn't it? the lighting effects just light it up a little bit. You know, you, you see a little bit more of it, a little bit more of it, and then you can read it. But there's also a really, really great edit where within the song he said there's a line where he says about going into the ocean, basically about, you know, I, I read it as, as committing suicide, but then the ocean doesn't want him. Yeah. And there's a really, really great edit where, like, the guy disappears into the ocean. He's yeah. gone. You can't see him. They cut to something else. And then you hear the line of, like, the ocean doesn't want him. And then it just cuts to the guy, like, popping back up yeah. out of the water. It's very it's simple. It's very, yeah. very effective. And you imagine that's the guy. He can't, you know, he can't bring himself to keep down yes. there or whatever yeah. and um i just I, the other reason i like it you know you watch all these videos and they are all undoubtedly they're all about the sea and the ocean but this guy for some reason has took it upon himself to to film like a city as well and walking around a city and i think that's so interesting and powerful i think and, it, yeah i agree because it really i think it's great I, and I, I you know if you look at this guy's account there's not a lot going on there i don't know who he is where he's from yeah, uh, this crazy. this is really good. I mean, all the other video, he's got a couple of other videos on there that were uh, black and white efforts like this is. Um, so I assume he's done similar things for other songs of people. But man, I just I, I was blown away when I saw this. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I was. I really like it. The... Did you find it creepy, though? That's the thing. I mean, I find I find the music creepy anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I the the, the song is creepy. The song is definitely creepy. Like I said, I think you can read the song quite a few ways. I think the the way in which I read it is it's about suicide, I think. Yes, yes, yes. About suicidal thoughts. Yeah, man. It it speaks to me. It's very creepy. Like I said, it's very mesmerizing. I love the way it's shot. I love the I think it's shot on maybe Super Eight film that isn't like perfectly exposed, so it's got this very washed out, very blown out. It changes it. as well, isn't it? Flickering and yeah, it's it's really really good. Yeah, I think it's just a. I think it's one real film. I don't. I I wouldn't be surprised. If there's like very little editing in it, and that's mm -hmm. why you get the the flashes of light where they've you know they stop recording on the old camera, they start recording again and stuff like. That. But it's um, it's great, man. I I really good. really do like it. Really really do like it. And yeah, I to answer your question, yeah, I do think it's. I definitely it, do think it's creepy. Here's an interesting thing how I came to this because we've done a couple of music ones now. I think this is the third, maybe. And every time, yeah. no, fourth, fourth. Um, and when I always think of doing a music one, there's always a video that pops into my head and I can't bring myself to do it. 
can't because I don't want to talk about it because it, it affects right. me so badly. Right. Um, and actually, I, I nearly did it this week because I watched it the other day and I thought, no, I don't want to talk about it. And interesting. The the and the the video is uh, Schism by Tool. Right. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you okay. know this one. Yeah. I uh, do, yeah. And I just I find it so disturbing. So 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 disturbing it just right, i don't really. know why i don't i can't put my finger on it it's like a uh it's like if you, who's the who's the guy who did the alien designs geiger oh geiger. That, yeah. that guy and um if you mix like his work with hellraiser yeah. it's, it just it just you know and that to me sounds brilliant but there's just something about this i find it really unsettling and uh i'm not i don't want to talk about it no more maybe we'll have to do a bonus episode <laughs> Maybe a bonus no, just from that. <laughs> Please, you send it to me unnamed. Say, watch this. That's it. That's it. That's what I'm doing. It's going to trick you. <laughs> All right, man. All right, dude. It's been a good one. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. A lot of... um. It's funny. Every time I think it's been a, a bit of a slow news week, we come to our recording. And I'm like, oh, actually, this is really interesting. This is really interesting. It's always... We always find something. I, I really like it. Yeah. And it, you know what? It's just... It's good to chat horror film the industry yes right yeah well, we, it's always we go off on a tangent now and again but hey you have to <laughs> that's what all good po- all good podcasts are made of nothing nothing will top our two-hour star wars rant that you Come managed on. to con- condense down oh, i don't mate. know i don't know how you did that i oh, know oh, <laughs> it's yeah i oh, know <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't upload it all i couldn't people would have that was it we would have lost zone out as yeah. nerding out over star wars we, we would have lost all our subscribers we would have lost <laughs> all right man all right dude it's been a good one looking forward to next week i hope you have a good week sir yep you too and I'm, yeah, uh, for... looking forward very much to next saturday i believe which is the sixth which is the release of the last series of attack on titan oh very happy about maybe we can talk about it because it is yeah. a kind of horror anime uh, there you go. We'll, yeah we'll see all right, man. all right thank you so much for listening again really do appreciate everyone out there that listens if you do like what we're doing please do subscribe if you haven't already and give us a thumbs up and maybe a comment below because as i do say cheeky little plug but it does help out the channel and yeah until next week horror hounds stay safe cheers guys bye